baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Gerilyn has the night off. Uh, they called me in, Steve Thompson, to work alongside producer Jonathan Lowe tonight. Thank you so much for the time. Much-needed rain falling around the region. We'll get rain overnight. Anywhere from three-quarters to one inch expected in the greater metro area. And then the rain will let up tomorrow. Otherwise, a cloudy, cool day before uh, summer's heat returns. Highs in the 90s later in the week and next weekend. Uh, Certainly a lot uh, warmer where our next guest joins us from, Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer. I've been uh, visiting with Bob uh, for, for many years here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. He lives in the desert southwest, and it, it's certainly been uh, a hot summer. It's been a little dry here, but we are getting much-needed rain. Bob, good to visit with you. I hope all is well. Oh, everything is fine, Steve. Uh, 90 degrees, gee. That's a nice, that's a nice day here in Tucson. What do you mean? Yeah, absolutely. I remember four years in a row I moved my daughter down to the University of Arizona. And we, we've, we've told this story a lot as of late. Our, our first trip we actually flew into Phoenix because uh, the, the flights were more affordable from Minneapolis to, to Phoenix. And then we would rent a van and put the stuff in it and bring it down uh, I-10 to Tucson. And the first time we came down to move her in, it, it was uh, in August once upon a time, in Phoenix, 117 degrees. That was an eye-opener. That uh, Coming from this neck of the woods, that, that was a bit of an eye-opener. But we did survive, and uh, we, we, uh, she, she did just fine down there in the desert and loves it. Uh, I will tell you, as I said before, that Phoenix is a far different thing than Tucson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's much. The difference is anywhere from ten to fifteen degrees. And if it gets to be the only time here it gets to be really uncomfortable is when it's over a hundred and over a hundred degrees. But even then, it's not so bad uh, as long as you're not in the bright sun um, or you wear a hat. Uh, it, it, the, the statement that it's a dry heat is an utterly true statement. It really makes an enormous difference. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, but yes, yeah, so this is on the ground. We should be talking about things up in space. So uh, that's what I'm here for. So what do you yeah, want to Yeah, absolutely. And the headline on your website, behindtheblack.com, uh, if, if people aren't aware, China very active uh, in space and space flight. And they, they did a launch today. And your your story brings up a great deal of concern, and there has been concern about how the Chinese operate. They have a space station, and they have uh, a rocket that is capable of reaching orbit, and they've done so many times. But uh, they, they don't do it in a way that's particularly responsible. And the piece at your website today outlines that, that, you know, they're doing this, but you know, it's it's probably not with safety in mind. Uh, they 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 
don't give a darn about their, the people that live in their country, the government there. They don't care in the slightest. In fact, I just saw a video report showing examples of how during the major flooding that occurred in Beijing recently, um, the government sent uh, spent money to hide uh, the the problem so that no one would know about it, not to fix the problem or to fake that they were fixing the problem when they really weren't doing it. Mm. And, of course, this means that they're not spending the resources to try to help their own uh, citizens. And in the case of uh, China, uh, they, I have a map on Behind the Black which shows all their spaceports. What's really important to understand about that map is that of the four spaceports, only one is on the coast. But that's a new spaceport that was only completed around two years ago. China's been launching rockets for almost a half century. Oh, I'm sorry, I correct myself. More than a half century from the interior spaceports within China. Well, every single one of those launches uh, from the interior spaceports is going to drop a first stage on the ground, uh, uh, uncontrolled. And I must emphasize that they have a whole range, a whole fleet of different kinds of rockets. But until recently, almost every one of their rockets used as its fuel something called hypergolic fuels. These are fuels that uh, when they, uh, the two different uh, propellants fuel, that when they come together, they instantly ignite. And this is an advantage. You don't even need an ignition source, and it makes it very simple to, for the rocket to produce energy and to fly. But hypergolic fuels are extremely toxic. And every one of the stages of those rockets flies with hypergolic fuels. And every one of those first stages and booster stages that crash within China uh, uh, use those fuels. They've only recently started to use liquid fuels that are less toxic, though, once again, having a first stage crash on your home, even if there's no toxic fuel, they ain't so nice. And in fact, I laid, one of the reasons I pointed this out on the launch uh, today was that uh, just about a week ago, they launched uh, from a, a different interior spaceport, and the first stage crashed in a city of two million people. And there's pictures, the video that locals took of uh, people standing around next to this first stage mm. in this city in China. China. And that was one of those ta tanks, that was one of those stages that has hypergolic fuels. And in fact, none of those people know that they are really, really, really risking significant health problems. Toxic fuel melts skin. This hypergolic fuel. They don't realize that. And China doesn't really care. They, as I've pointed out, I'm, I'm sure I've done it on your show, but I've been writing about this for years. Uh, this, this, the the uh, space station they've got up in orbit, uh, the rocket they use to launch it is called the Long March 5B. The core stage of its first stage, it's the first stage with two boost uh, strap-ons. And the core stage of that reaches orbit. And that core stage will only be in orbit for a, a very short period of time, and it's big, and so it has to hit the ground. But the trouble is it, reaches, it gets into orbit in a very unstable orbit with no way to control its descent. And so five different times in the last four years they've launched this rocket, not caring the fact that the first stage was going to crash somewhere on Earth out of control. And in fact, in one case... If it had come down 15 minutes earlier, it would have landed in the New York City metropolitan area.
Wow. Uh, and there is absolutely no way they can pre- – you cannot predict. When it's not controllable like this, there's no way to predict exactly where it's going to come down. It's a chaotic event, and so there was no way to predict. That core stage, it has engines where you light them. Once they burn out, they cannot be restarted. And so there's no way, once it finishes its job, to do anything about it. And they, there have been hints they're going to replace the engine so they can be restarted, but they haven't, they haven't, haven't done it. And that's now almost – the 5B has been in operation now for about four years, and it's, nothing's been changed. And, and trust me, they're going to be using that rocket again in the next uh, year or so, several times. In fact, they've been pushing to use it a lot more for their planetary manned program and for their space station and for astronomy work. And uh, in the meantime, they launch routinely from these interior spaceports with these older rockets that have toxic fuel, and they land their first stages. And in the case of the launch that I pointed out today, it put up a radar satellite into geosynchronous orbit. That's an orbit that's going to require it to go almost due east from its launch site. Uh, the launch uh, site it came up, went up from is in southern China, and so that meant traveling east, the first stage and the boosters involved. There were four different strap-on boosters, all with hypergolic fuels, came down somewhere in eastern China in a very heavily populated area, we have no idea. They try to. They, for years, they've been trying to prevent their citizens from um, uh, distributing um, uh, smartphone videos of this kind of stuff. Uh, they didn't succeed last week, uh, but they have shut it down pretty successfully in recent years. And so they could have hit somebody, and we wouldn't know about it. Just gives yeah. you a sense of the kind of government that China has. Uh, when they talk about them doing a, right now a Nazi-like genocide of the Uyghurs, uh, trust me, it's not false. This is not a very nice government. Yeah, and the, the, the fact that uh, other space-faring countries have been very critical, but there, there appears to be uh, really no attempt to, to change the strategy whatsoever uh, uncontrolled reentry, all, all of those things that you alluded to, um, you know, going forward, that can be a real problem as, as companies like SpaceX and other companies and other countries want to do business in low Earth orbit. This can complicate things a great deal. Yes, there have been indications over the years that China has tried to uh, uh, steal ideas from others as they sure. want to do, uh, to uh, control the descent of these first stages better, not to land them to reuse, but just to control their descent, such as adding parachutes or grid fins. And they've, they've uh, pouted that, uh, those attempts in the past, but there's been no indication that they've, they've, they, that they've installed and made that technology work. They do it once in a while. They say, oh, we've done this. But then if, that was, if they were really sincere about that, you begin to see a steady pattern uh, repeated over and over again, just like with SpaceX when they were trying to learn how to learn, land their first stage. They would do it once and then do it again and then do it again. And if it didn't work the, each time, they could do it and refine it the next time until they succeeded. And you'd think if China was really sincerely trying to do this instead of PR and, you know, um, public, you know stunts, photo ops, if they were really sincere, you'd see a trend moving forward of getting better and better at it. And that's not what we see. Um, now, China has uh, a, a lot of what I call pseudo-companies. These are so-called private companies that have obtained investment capital that are developing their own rockets uh, uh, for launch. But 
they're pseudo companies. They're not real. Um, they get investment capital and they supposedly have their own management structure. But almost invariably, the rockets they launch come out of military technology, at least initially, which means the government is controlling them. And in China, there's no such thing as private property or, or ownership rights. If at any time these companies did anything the Chinese government didn't like, they'd take it over or shut it down. And, and anything they have been doing is totally under the supervision and control of the Chinese government. So to call them private companies is, is, is incorrect. They are pseudo companies. And they, there's a bunch of them that are trying to develop competitively with each other uh, reusable first stages, stealing technology from the United States to do it, or improving upon that uh, American technology. And as they uh, try to do this, they're hoping to get contracts from the government. But once again, they are still controlled and con by the government, and none have yet succeeded. I do expect a few will do so. Um, and in, in that sense, China is showing is, is allowing some movement forward in this area. But I, you have to emphasize once again, this is a government that is, uh, 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 cares only about really one thing, and that's the power and control of its uh, position in power. And everything they do is to maintain their power. And the citizen, if it helps the citizenry to maintain their power, they'll help the citizenry, their citizens. If it doesn't help their power to, to maintain their power, their citizens can go burn in hell. And that's exactly what they've done in a few times. Quick break. We'll come back more uh, with uh, Robert Zimmerman uh, here on News Talk. A3OWCCO has written many wonderful books uh, still to come on the program. We'll discuss uh, his latest book, Conscious Choice, uh, and, and it does relate to human exploration of the solar system. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, and also uh, what's going on with SpaceX when might we see another launch of Starship down in Texas? We'll get into all of that coming up here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And you probably hear him regularly on the John Batchelor Show, late nights here on News Talk, 830-WCCO as well. Bob, always good to visit with you. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, Steve, I hadn't realized John Batchelor is on CCO, so that means I'm on, his, on your station at least twice a week. Uh, absolutely. I, I've heard it when I've been out and about. Um, so yes, um, yeah, John Bachelor uh, on late nights here at News Talk A three O W C C O, and I've enjoyed your conversation. So grateful you're joining us tonight. Uh, we we talked about China and what they're up to, but SpaceX continues to amaze. I try and catch launches, uh, etc. If not, I I read read the follow ups. Um, it, it's not routine, but they they, they sure make it look easy <laughs> uh, what they do different than any rocket company in history which of course
course, every other engineering company routinely does, but rocket companies haven't done this, is that when they have a technical issue, they don't look at a, 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 a putting together a patch fix that will just get them by. They look at the problem, and they fix it in a way that the problem never reappears. Now, this, this shouldn't be surprising. This is just common sense, and this is how you operate airplanes and how you do cars and how you do uh, every appliance made over star history. Is you know you you improve the technology so that it becomes more reliable. Of course, if you if you build in obsolescence, you lose your market share to China to to, to Japan. But that's another story for another time. Um, but as a general rule, they apply good engineering to make things work better. And so, and because they want to reuse their rockets, uh, it requires them to make them more robust. So it makes them actually more reliable in the very design process. It's one of the reasons that they they make it seem so routine and boring and easy because. Over time, they, are, they have worked out all the kinks, and so their rockets function the way uh, a, a good piece of engineering should work. And, uh, and that's why it looks like it's easy. Uh, I, all I can think of is, gosh, why didn't someone think of this before? We spent half a century thinking rocketry can't can't ever be like everything else. But of course it can. You just simply have to... Um, apply the same standards to it that we apply to everything else that exists uh, in the world, in this technological world we live. And SpaceX has done that, and that's why they make it look easy, Steve. Um, they have a big project going on down in Texas, a Starship, uh, their super heavy booster and their Starship upper stage. Uh, they uh, attempted an orbital launch, um, they didn't quite get to orbit. They learned a lot. They learned that they need to do some things with the pad itself to make it stand up. Um, and it appears that they are gearing up for another try at some point. Now, there are a number of lawsuits and uh, there, there are government agencies involved in this. Maybe you can give us a relatively brief update on what's going on with Starship and when we might see another try. If you uh, at this moment in time, SpaceX, uh, fact, three months ago, said they were targeting August for a next orbital try. And based upon their pace of operations and how things are going, August seems like August. We're in August, by the way. Uh, August seems like seems even now like it's very possible. Uh, it might be the first week in September, engineering-wise, but it's they're getting close. They've already done some. Uh, tests of their new launch pad and some engine tests with the new launch pad and they're still working out kinks but it seems to me that they're very close and if they had the freedom to operate like a free American company could for most of our history, they would almost certainly launch before the end of this month because they have the boosters ready to go and they want to use them, test them and if they blow up, that's okay because then they have more boosters on more prototypes in the, in the assembly line ready to go and each launch teaches them something, they don't sit around but they won't launch in August, and I predicted this in March. Uh, since the Biden administration took power, the number of test launches SpaceX has, had to do, has been able to do has dropped from almost monthly launches to one every year or two. 
They've really done only about two test launches since the Biden administration took over, and they can't do it because the, 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 the regulatory uh, swamp in Washington has clamped down and is basically treating these test launches of prototypes as if they're a ra- operational airline launch where you have to investigation after every time something goes wrong. But this is a prototype. Something is going to go wrong, and you launch it with that in mind to make sure nothing hurts anybody else. And it's exactly what SpaceX did in their April launch, that orbital attempt. They knew that this was probably not going to reach orbit, and so they launched it in a way that if it had a problem, it would it would uh, be destro- destroyed, you know, self-destruct, and fall into the ocean. And that's what happened. No one was hurt. And the, the launch did no harm. There's, there's a lawsuit from some um, uh, uh, environmental groups that have no standing, actually, in Boca Chica, where the launch was. But they have, they have filed a suit uh, saying it was doing terrible damage. But the uh, uh, various uh, government agencies have already said very clearly it did no damage. It did no damage at all. Uh, none, none outside of their own property and the damage that occurred within SpaceX's own property, they've repaired and they have redesigned the launch pad so such a thing won't happen again. To use now, water, if you will. Yeah, to- yes, uh, this is not an unusual thing. On most launches, they do it with, with uh, the Falcon 9. Uh, you, you spray water at the base of the pad and that dissipates the energy from the rocket so they don't damage the pad, reduces the dust, it reduces any debris, it eliminates any debris that will fly away because the pad doesn't get damaged. That's what they've installed. Now, will it work 100% the first time when they launch? Maybe, maybe not. It'll definitely improve the situation from the last launch. But you've got to launch. You've got to find out what you need to fix uh, if it's not perfect. And uh, that's how SpaceX operates. And they have a track record, as I said already, that if it works... If, if they need to fix it, they'll fix it so that it will work reliably down the road. That's their track record. Biden administration is blocking them right now. I predicted uh, in March that they will not launch in August and probably not by the end of the year, and I see nothing to change that right now. And the only reason they won't launch this year is because uh, government agencies who have no qualified people within them to decide this one way or the other are going to sit on their hands and say, no, we're not happy. We want you to make it better. But they won't be in a position to make it better because they're not engineers. They're not rocket engineers. They're paper pushers in in D.C. But that's what they're going to do because they now have power. And this ain't the free country that some of us think it is uh, not anymore. Quick break. We'll come back and we will talk about uh, the future, if you will. There, there's the engineering standpoint, but I, I believe when humans uh, have settlements on the moon and Mars and potentially beyond, how will they be governed? Uh, what, what, what will be the rules that, that govern these human outposts? We'll get into that with Bob uh, and his latest book, Conscious Choice, in a moment here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Robert Zimmerman joins us. His website is Behind the Black. You hear Bob uh, two nights a week with John Batchelor late nights here on News Talk, A3OWCCO. We've talked for years here uh, on News Talk, A3OWCCO, and he's written many wonderful books. Genesis, the story of Apollo 8, I, I invite you to read it. Just, just a wonderful story about uh, just a groundbreaking mission. Uh, once again, Genesis, the story of Apollo 8, one of my favorites. You've got a new book that is now available uh, in hardback, paper book, and in ebook form. 
conscious choice. And this explores the topic of that day when humans will spread out around the solar system. may not happen in our lifetime, but at some point it will. And how, how will that work? How, how will those human settlements be governed, whether they're on the moon or Mars or whatever? And, and Bob, you delve into that topic, and you look back in history and then, and then look forward and, and uh, mistakes to be avoided when we go down that road. Yes. Uh, many years ago, I, this book took years to write, actually, because I really researched very hard. I wanted to make sure I knew my facts really well. I'm a historian, so I really went back to original sources. What, I, what started me out was, okay, what, what, are the, what kind of governance and laws and government should one establish, and what kind of culture should you create within a new colony in another world? And I thought to myself, you know, the, the British, when they settled uh, the North America with the, their 13 some odd colonies, actually did a kind of experiment because each of those colonies tried things a little differently. And we can look at those colonies and how they established their governments and their societies and what they did. And some succeeded brilliantly, and some failed horribly. And that gives us wonderful information for trying to figure out what would work and what would not. So I went back, and I researched, and I started with Virginia, and I focused on Virginia, because Virginia was a British colony from a society that... Um, that despised slavery, believed in freedom, believed in individual rights. There was no such thing as slavery in Britain. They had indentured servitude, but it was almost entirely in Britain designed to educate the young. It was formed to, as an educational tool, apprenticeship. Uh, it was not used as a labor for the general public. And they were appalled by the idea of slavery. Slavery never was sold in England. Slaves never, no one was, could ever, even the British who tried to, to trade slaves couldn't sell them in England. And so uh, they built a colony in Virginia, and somehow over a period of 100 years, it becomes a slave state. And it actually spreads the poison throughout the Deep South for the first 100, 200 years of the colonization of the New World and the first hundred some odd years of the United States until the Civil War. And the question asked, why? Why did they have slaves? Well, all the northern colonies the British established not only had very few slaves, but they ended up very, becoming very hostile to slavery. And in fact, the abolitionist movement grew out of the Quakers in Pennsylvania in, new, in, nor, in northern, uh, northern colonies. This was a movement that was utterly new in, in human history. Slavery was not considered abhorrent or immoral before the abolitionist movement. So the, the, the colonies give us lessons on what would work and what would not. And so I wanted to tell that story and then apply the lessons learned, good and bad, what we should do when we establish our colonies in, on Mars, on the asteroids, and elsewhere. And that's, that's essentially what the book is about. It talks about in great length what went wrong in Virginia, what choices, and their conscious choices. That's the most important. That's why the title is what it is, because we're always making choices. We might be not thinking about it, but when you don't think about it, you're making a conscious choice not to think about it. And uh, a lot of decisions made in Virginia were consciously um, wrong, and established a place where the idea of slavery or uh, um, unpaid labor 
and treating people uh, as inferiors because of their race became the natural culture. And this kind of the kind of things that happened in Virginia could very easily happen uh, in the colonies and other worlds. We always talk about we're going where no one has ever gone before, but that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is establishing new worlds where we can raise children. And so our focus has always got to be on that when we establish these new colonies on other worlds. And that's what I tried to tell in Conscious Choice, and it's available. And I think people who are interested in space exploration should learn something about the past history so they understand what the future should be. Yeah, and it, it, it will happen at, at some point, I believe, that, you know, moving out, building these colonies. Initially, it would be uh, government-based or, or maybe even private industry-based exploration, maybe mining an asteroid or going to a, uh, a, a planet like Mars. But eventually, it, as humans settle and make this their new home, there, there will need to be governance and a rule of law, et cetera. And that is fascinating uh, be, because... Like I say, it is it is a new world, and 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 how will that be structured? Uh, one of the mistakes the Virginians made is they had a government, but it was a government that was uh, top down. I like to say it was ruled by an elite who thought they had knew better, and they would pass laws willy nilly, and then chance new laws and repeal old laws, and they basically manipulated things continuously without really thinking at great depth about what the purpose of the laws should be. And so it was sloppy lawmaking, partly, that caused the problem. It was a case where very centralized power, you know, if we have private companies that establish colonies in other worlds, they become company towns if we're not careful. And company towns are as bad as dictatorships because the, the people who work there are in many ways taken bad advantage of. You need to establish a system where, in, in such as the New England colonies did, where you had s- small, self-sufficient, privately owned operations. In, this, in the case of uh, New England, it was small family farms, self-sufficient, so they were owned by individuals. Now, it might not be the same thing in the colonies, but you have to decentralize so that you have a lot of competition and small holdings. Uh, that's, that's, that's part of it. There's many other things. You've got to go with families, and you've got to stay focused on the children. You're not building a – you're not exploring new worlds. You're not going there just to make money. You are going to create a place where you want to raise your kids. And if you think about that when you do it, it will change how you do it so that it will make it a better place for everyone to live because if we can't make it good for our kids we're certainly going to make it not going to make it good for ourselves well and uh bob once again uh your your uh website behind the black has details uh where can people find the book uh they can go to behind the black there's links there it's available on amazon it's available for my uh publisher ebook it uh, as an ebook as a hardback as a paperback but it's definitely available on all the main internet uh, uh vendors such as Barnes and Noble Amazon and others uh, uh you know just as genesis is just like the leaving choices they're all available um uh, if you go to my website and buy it direct there i get a cut a little larger and i get the money sooner but it doesn't matter go to amazon you can pick it up right there well, and we're looking forward to your visits with John Batchelor weeknights, Tuesdays and Thursdays, correct? 
That, no, actually, these days, it's Tuesdays and Fridays. Ah. I should change that on my website because it says Tuesdays and Thursdays, which we did for years, but we changed it recently for a variety of reasons. So now I'm, I'm on his show on, actually, on Wednesdays and Fridays. Let me be more precise. Uh, um, so I'll fix Well, that thank myself. you, Bob. Always good to visit with you and, and catch up. And uh, you, your insight's always a lot of great material at his website behind the black. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Uh, as many times as you want, Steve. There he is, Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer. A lot of fascinating uh, material. And, and we'll see about the next big launch down in Texas. I, I, I've always thought I, I want to go to one of those, but you have no idea. Uh, it would be difficult to plan, and I have to uh, work, so I, I, I can't just head down to Texas and hang out for the next big starship launch it would be a sight to see 11 minutes sound front of 10 o'clock uh, we'll put a wrap on it jonathan lowe is our producer steven for Geraldine tonight here on news talk e3o steven for Geraldine. she has the night off jonathan lowe is our producer big thanks to all our guests joining us on the program minneapolis city council member robin wansley representing ward two about an ordinance that would uh, make sure that Uber and Lyft drivers are getting a fair wage in the city. That would be the equivalent of a uh, minimum of $15 an hour. And once again, uh, that, that vote comes up later in the week. And Maria Hayden from the State Fair. Hard to believe the fair begins a week from Thursday. And I don't know, Jonathan, if... if, if are, are you going to be in studio? Or are you going to be at the fair at all? What's the plan? I plan on being out there a couple days. I know last right. year I was out there the two Saturdays of the fair, and I, I'm i expecting to have that same schedule. Uh, but so, so in other words, you would get to work with Shaletta and yours truly? That would be correct, sir. Ah, that would be wonderful. A walk down memory lane. Yes, yes. I love it. And uh, Shaletta will bring a lot of energy to the fair for sure. Yeah, yes, she will. Yeah, we have a lot yes. of we have a new real estate show eleven to noon, and then Shaletta is on noon to three, and then I'm on after three until the ball game. Um, and I th- I think we have Twins games both days of the fair uh, that evening anyway. So yeah, but, the, yeah, that'd yeah, be the, great. The Twins games will both be at night. Uh, they it was the same thing last year. Um, I just hope uh, and pray <laughs> that the games go better <laughs> this year than they did last year um, when I was having to finish my shift over there and then come here and get us out of the Twins game those nights. Uh, the first night, that was when the severe thunderstorm oh, rolled yeah. through. Um, and, yeah, that was that was um, exciting. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I, I don't want at the fair when I'm out there, I mean, obviously severe weather is number one. But beyond that, the blazing hot days. Yes. You know, just just the the ridiculous heat and humidity. I, I don't I don't like that. And and all the years I've been uh, out at the fair and at the CCO radio fair booth, I ju- I just don't want the insane heat and humidity. And we get that from time to time. I'll say this, um, I'll th- I, for the sake of the fair itself, 
I'll take the heat. I'll even take the humidity. As long as the air quality is good. Yeah, there you go. We don't want it, we we don't want any Canadian uh forest fires. Yeah, smoke. no no still ozone. We we'll we'll take yeah. a a storm or two rolling through, but the biggest thing is have that air quality be good because if the fair had been held in June oh. of this year, it'd have been a disaster. It yeah. really would have. Yeah, hopefully we can avoid that. Well, Jonathan, always good to work with you, my friend. We have all the news coming up at 10, CCO Conversations after 10. Have a great evening. A big thanks to you for tuning in tonight here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 